I love the Christmas TV uh, shows, movies, programs that come out this time of year. Honest Truthful, who likes the Hallmark Channel? It's all right, man. You're allowed to cry at Christmas movies. It's okay. It's like a new version of Old Yeller. We can watch those and you don't lose a man card for shedding a tear. A little boy brings his mom the Christmas shoes. It's okay. All right? It's coming. Get ready. But some of the best ones are the ones from way back when I was a kid. Um, one of my favorites, and I'm not even a real fan of this as a whole, but as far as favorite Christmassy TV shows, one of my favorites is Charlie Brown's Christmas. I think because we can relate to him. Have you ever felt like Charlie Brown? You're in the middle of the, the Christmas decorations that have been sprouting up since Halloween. And we're just at the beginning. Uh, I think Black Friday throws everything off, honestly. Because, because we get caught up in all this stuff and the Christmas songs are stuck in your head already. The, the lights and shopping and cookies, which by the way, you can buy some next Sunday. Um, cookies and parties. Do you ever just want to be like Charlie Brown and just, just shout out, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is really all about? I know you've seen the TV special. It's been airing since 1965. That's a pretty good run. When you think about it was a cartoon produced on a low budget, and I don't know if you know this or not, but the, the Charlie Brown Christmas special was a last-minute production. It wasn't a planned thing. Uh, it came about because Coca-Cola was looking for a Christmas special to sponsor for holiday marketing. <laughs> I think that's ironic. Coca-Cola came and said, hey, we want to do this to sponsor our product. And the main question is, what is Christmas all about? The cartoon Peanuts was wildly popular, so they asked for a meeting and ideas, and the creator Charles Schultz and the producers, or Schultz and the producers, threw together this outline in one day, and the, the Coca Cola executives went for it. But Schultz had some unorthodox ideas for that time. In 1965, it was not common to have a jazz soundtrack for your TV show, especially a comedy. It was uncommon. Charles Schultz, Schultz said, "I don't want a laugh track." And I never thought about that until I discovered this. When you watch it, and it, just, it was just on last week, there was no laugh track on the Charlie Brown special. Somebody said something funny, it's not the ha 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 ha, you don't hear that. They didn't do stuff like that back then. It was a staple of TV shows, especially comedies in that era. But most of all, Charles Schultz was adamant that the true Christmas story would be presented, complete with a scene read straight from the Bible. Gasp. The TV producers were worried that it would be too, too controversial to read the Bible on national television. They didn't think it would work. But Charles Schultz insisted. And controversial or not, you could say the show has done pretty well. Uh, again, I'm sure most of us have seen it a time or two. It's been running every Christmas, every season, and sometimes multiple times now because we have so many channels. But since 1965. So you also know that Charlie Brown is, is at this moment where he's surrounded by all the trappings of Christmas. But everything keeps coming up empty to him. Snoopy's decorating his, his doghouse for the Christmas, uh, the, the competition. And he, no, that's not it. All these things are coming up at him and he, and he wonders aloud, 
What is Christmas really all about? And it was his best friend, Linus. I think you might remember this. He, he sets Charlie Brown straight with a clear answer. They're, they're at this, this rehearsal for the, the Christmas play. And, and they had all the trappings. They had, we even have a Christmas queen, Lucy said. And, and he just couldn't get it. And then Linus is on the stage and he sets him straight. He reads straight from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Takes out his little blanket. You remember this? He says, lights, please. He puts it on his head. It's what he does. He puts it on his head like a little shepherd. And then he reads, In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And he goes on, he says, this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men. With whom he is pleased. And then he turns to his buddy and he says, And that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And Charles Schultz said to the world or to America in 1965, And that's what Christmas is all about. In those words, Charlie Brown finds hope. It's where the whole Christmas experience turns for him. And good old Chuck realizes the true meaning of Christmas. He goes, he goes from being overwhelmed and anxious and depressed by the season to inspired by it. He goes from an inward focus of questioning to an outward focus of sharing the season with others. The whole movie, it, it, it just takes a turn, the whole show. And today I want to invite you to hear the same words of hope as we enter this season in expectation to celebrate Christmas So over the next four weeks, we're going to unwrap gifts. I'm going to unwrap gifts. You'll get to see what they are. We're going to unwrap the gifts of Christmas as we journey through this season. It's our chance to listen to the stories, to remember the true meaning of Christmas, to wait in expectation for the arrival of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. The point here is not to get rid of the trappings and traditions. I told you I love Christmas movies. I love Christmas lights. I love Christmas songs. I've been playing Christmas songs since September. Partly because you got to get in a mind frame to write sermons for Christmas. But also because we just like them in our house. I love that. And I'm not trying to get rid of any of those things. It's part of the celebration all around us. But I want us to take a purposeful journey through them. To unwrap them, if you will, so that we can more deeply experience the gifts of Christmas, the gifts of hope, love, peace, joy, and best of all, the gift of Jesus Christ. But I also want to start by unwrapping Advent. It's a tradition. Last, last year, we did a whole series. We had a big Advent calendar up here. And afterwards, I still had some folks that came to me. We still talked about Advent even into the new year. And, I, and, and it was when I, that was when I decided... I wanted to to bring this back again because I want you to understand the concept. 
It may be new to some of you. It may be awkward. You may only know Advent from what we see in the store, those trappings, if you will. There's, there's the calendar and you, you open up something and there's a piece of chocolate or there's a little toy or there's a Lego. They have a Lego Advent calendar now in case you're a Lego fan. Uh, and, and that's what we know of it. Oh, we're counting down till Christmas, to when Christmas comes. And, and it reveals a gift or a treat each day of the month leading up to Christmas. But Advent is so much more than that. The word Advent actually means coming or arrival. And the season for us is marked by expectation, by waiting, by anticipation, by longing. It's not just an extension of Christmas. It is Christmas. It links the past, present, and future. Advent offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah. You see, to celebrate His birth... And to be alert for his second coming. Advent looks back on Christ's coming in celebration. While at the same time it looks forward in eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom. When he will return for his people. Hope fulfilled in Jesus. And hope still to be completed in his second coming. You see during Advent we wait for both active assured waiting. As part of the church calendar in many denominations, there are differences in the ways that people celebrate Advent, but the core is the same. Some of the traditions and vary, and the practices vary, but uh, one of my favorite things about Advent is the lighting of the five candles throughout the season. We've got them up here, one for each of the four Sundays before Christmas, and one on Christmas Eve to represent Jesus' coming to a world that's lost in darkness That's why I love the lighting of the candles. As the prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 9, verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. As we celebrate each week, we will light an additional candle. And Dylan's going to light the first one today. And as we light each candle each week, each flame brings us closer to the arrival of the true light of the world. Born in Bethlehem. And in a season that's often marked by busyness and frenzied activity, Advent is an opportunity for us to set aside time to prepare our hearts, to help us place our focus on a far greater story than our own. The story of God's redeeming love for our world. It's not a season of pretending. It's not a season for for covering over something. It's actually, this is a season for digging deep into the reality of what it means To actually consider that God sent His Son into this world. It's a season of expectation. It's a season of preparation. It's an opportunity to get ourselves aligned with God's presence more than just the hectic season of giving presence. And so wherever you are on your own spiritual journey today, I invite you into this season. It's a time that allows, and what I'm about to tell you right now will will make some of you gasp, This is a season and a time that allows for questions. It allows for doubt. It allows for struggle as we take time to prepare our hearts for Christ's coming. See, it's not just a celebration that God comes to fix things that are broken. He doesn't come to fix our broken computers or our broken families or our broken and hurting lives. But simply put, it's a celebration that God comes in the darkness. He comes in the pain. He comes in the anxiety. He comes in the chaos. He comes and He makes a way. And as we unwrap the gifts of hope and love and joy and peace this month, my hope is that we'll discover together 
that we can trust in Emmanuel, God, with us. See, because he's bigger than our greatest expectations. He's bigger than our deepest pain. He's bigger. He's greater than the anxiety we may have. Did you know, statistically speaking, that Christmas time is one of the most depressing times of the year for people? I don't know if you knew that or not. See, this is an opportunity we have because his light shines in the darkness of our deepest pains. And it bids us to draw near. And as we do that, we discover and we realize the gifts that he brings us. But more than that, we discover him. So don't be afraid to ask those questions. Don't be afraid to struggle with those doubts. Because Christ is here to shine a light on those things. That's one of my favorite things about unwrapping the gift of Christmas hope. This first Sunday in Advent, we're focusing on hope. And I want to look at what we mean by hope because most of the time when we hear hope statements, they typically sound kind of like this. I hope it doesn't rain. I hope I get the job. I hope the world will be at peace. I hope he gets better. I hope she shows up. I hope, and you can go ahead and fill in the blank. Some of you are like, I hope he hurries up. I want to go to lunch. Uh, (laughs) Do you notice the theme there, though? Worldly hope is characterized by doubt and uncertainty and a lack of control. We hope for things that may or may not happen. But Jesus, in Jesus, hope is a guarantee. It's a sure thing. Our hope is actually a no-so rather than a maybe-so. Let's unwrap this gift of hope. By looking at hope past, hope present, and hope future as we journey towards Christmas. Let me ask you a question. Thinking about hope past, I want you to think back in your life. What is the longest, and you can answer this if you just want to shout out something. What's the longest you've waited for something? 14 years. years. Can I ask what you were waiting on for 14 years? A A wife. Well done. Did you get one? Yes. Okay, well done. Good job. Well, she's, she's not, anyway. <laughs> um, some of our young people, Dylan turns 15 in March. Guess what he's starting to wait on? Driver's license, then the car. The cool, yeah, he'll keep waiting on that. All right. What's the longest you've waited for something? So what? Somebody said something over here. Oh, you're going to get bashful all of a sudden. 31 years. years. What'd you wait on for 31 years? Can I ask you that? Amen. To meet a son that you gave away. And he was grateful when he met you. That's a powerful story. Well done. We wait on things. If, If you're an expectant mother, you wait nine months. And then you spend the rest, the next 18 years, where you could put them back. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Is there anything you've been waiting on your entire life? Like, seriously waiting on your entire life? The reason I ask that question is because the, the Israelites, the, God's people, they knew about waiting. Almost their entire history is marked by waiting 
as they look forward to the coming of the Messiah who has set them free. And, and it's funny, the side note I have in my mind is they waited so long, and then when he finally got here, they didn't believe it. <laughs> They're like, no, it can't be. It's not, it's not what it was. I waited too long just for that. The Old Testament is full of prophecies about this. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Another well-known prophecy from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father. Prince of Peace. These are just a few of the prophecies that gave clear expectations of God's promised Messiah hundreds of years before his arrival. And the promise didn't always make the waiting easy. Christmas is real soon. And some of you are already putting gifts under the, under the tree. And just because you see your name on the gift. Can I talk about your kids real quick? I was at Rick's house. They've got their tree up. There's some stuff under it. Those kids can't hardly walk in the room. They're like, oh, but that's my name. They know it's there. The prophecy is set. There is a gift. And it's not a tiny little, you know, it's not like a can of tuna. Like, this is a gift that they're going to like. And, and there's some packages. And both their names are on these different packages. And they walk through the living room and they're like, it's like a homing beacon to the tree. Please, please. No. You have to wait. You have to wait to unwrap that. And just because you know something is good, it, it, sometimes it makes the waiting even worse. And you think about the Israelites for hundreds of years, they heard these prophecies, and they still are waiting, still are waiting. It doesn't always make the waiting easy when you know something good is coming. And as we prepare... For Jesus is coming this Christmas. We share in the waiting of the people of Israel. Like them, most of us have situations and circumstances and things that are going on in our own lives. It makes it difficult for us to wait on God. And like them, we still wait for the complete fulfillment of God's salvation for the world. There are many prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus' is coming, but others are yet to be completed when he comes again. So what can purposeful waiting this Advent season do for us? As we look back on hope past, we gain confidence and we can renew our faith in God's promises to us. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. See, it's going to happen. It's going to be amazing when it does. So sit tight. The conviction of things not seen. We can find confidence in the fulfillment of Christ's arrival and in all He's done in our lives over time, but we can also find assurance that there's much more to come and that God will complete His good work in you and in me and He will fulfill His promises to make all things new and complete in the end. Let this Christmas season be a journey of building confident hope as you wait for His coming. The next thing I want to talk about is hope present. You see, in the first chapter of Luke, we see Jesus' birth foretold again. But unlike the Old Testament prophecies, this is a more personal and imminent foretelling, if you will. Let's look at Luke. Chapter, uh, verse 26 says, Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth 
to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And, the come, and coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at the statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even in your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Verse 37. Read this out loud with me. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You see, in the, in the midst of life's questions, do you ever find yourself wishing that Gabriel would just show up and let you know what to expect? Wouldn't that just be easier? You wait on that job, you wait on that cure, you wait on that, that whatever. But in Mary's case, perhaps it would have been easier not to know. What do you do with information like this? Mary is given a direct message from the angel Gabriel, but even then it took faith to place her trust and her hope in God. Thankfully, she responded in faith. Thankfully, she held fast to the promise of hope of Emmanuel, God with us. Today, as we begin Advent, we know and we hold fast to that hope. Jesus has come and he made a way for us to be one with God through his forgiveness of our sin. His coming changes everything. As you sit here today, the present hope that you hold on to may not seem to be changing things. Your heart and your mind may be flooded with concerns and stresses and anxieties and hardships that you face. Any sign of change in your circumstance may be slim to none right now. You may be thinking, this just can't happen fast enough. But that doesn't mean change isn't happening. It doesn't mean that God isn't working in your life. Maybe behind the scenes or through other people or situations. It doesn't mean that He is not working inside our hearts to teach and shape us regardless of what the outward results look like at any given moment. I think we can find hope in the words of Hebrews 6, 19-20. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. I hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. He already took care of these things. Where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us. He's already been there. You see, our present hope in Jesus doesn't stop the storms of life. It doesn't change the immediate situation that you may be in right now. But like an anchor holds a ship against a steady wind and waves, our hope holds us firm and secure in the midst of your present life storms. Let this season be one of secure hope in the midst of whatever storm 
you may be facing this year. And now I want to talk about hope future. While our focus leading up to Christmas is naturally on the birth and, and, and the, the arrival of Jesus Christ to our world, Advent is also about the future. It's not just about preparing our hearts for Christmas Day to celebrate the birth of our Savior. It's about preparing our hearts for when Christ comes again. Are you ready for that day? Because everybody in this room is ready for Christmas Day. I know that. But are you ready for that day when Christ returns? You may find that waiting patiently for the second coming of Jesus is even harder than waiting for Christmas. There are some days, if you're like me, you're like, Lord, just come now. Please, I'm ready. But then there's other days where you're like, wait, don't come yet. There's something I really need I want to do. It's a good thing we're not in charge. That he knows, well, that God knows when that's going to happen. We long for the time when we'll all be restored. We'll be made new. We may experience the pain and suffering of today. But we wait in eager hope for the future. That's where our hope lies. That the baby who was born in a stable in Bethlehem will return again and complete the work of God in our world. And so we wait, placing our hope in him for the past, the present, and the future. It's the bigger picture of our faith. It's the bigger picture of God's plans for our world. The Apostle Paul explained in Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. For in hope... We have been saved. But hope that is, not, that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. So today, we unwrap the gift of hope. I'll leave that just like that. It's nice. We unwrap the gift of hope. No matter what the department stores try to tell you, Christmas has not yet arrived. There's no Christmas without Jesus Christ. In this Advent season of preparation, of waiting, of expectation, there's value as well as excitement in patient and expectant waiting. I don't know what you've been waiting on to make Jesus the Lord of your life or to ask forgiveness for something and repent, but as we come to our response time now, It would be a great opportunity for you to respond to the hope that I've been talking about today. May this season be be a, a season of wonder as you discover the gifts that Jesus offers you this Christmas. He offers us hope. He offers us love. He offers us joy. He offers us peace. Will you stand and sing our response song with us and think on those things? And respond to God's word accordingly. It's great to be here with you all this morning and to talk about the gift of hope that we have in Jesus. But now it's time to go. As you go this week, go thanking God every day that in this season of expectation, we can unwrap God's gift of hope. As you go, remember hope past. Hold tightly to hope in our present realities and wait with expectation for hope to be fulfilled when Christ comes again. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.
Will you sing this last song with us?